Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, you sound tired. (laughs) Why do you sound so tired, buddy? Well, uh, went for a bike ride with the wife today. And I, I pulled out the old mountain bike, a couple of things. So when I bought that mountain bike, I said, I want this one. Cause it's got the biggest tires here and in the store. And I, I regret that decision now. Cause I've got like 26 inch tires on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I regret that. That's a lot more pedaling. And, uh, <laughs> just, uh, I haven't rode a mountain bike in a long time and being out on it. It was to me, it was a lot more effort. Uh, and I'm tired, man. My legs are full of lactic acid. I am exhausted from that bike ride. Meanwhile, on the road bike, man, I could do out do 30 miles, come in the house and be like, I feel like I could go out and do some more. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, when you think about it, though, like you go from the transition, and a lot of people do make that assumption that road biking is like mountain biking. It's really not. I see it all the time here in Colorado. There's a lot of people that go up into the mountains and they do – uh, they do the, uh, but it has like the really wide handles versus a road bike yeah. is much narrower, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, all the time, man, it's, that's crazy that, uh, you getting all that, that, that crazy pain now from, yeah. and, and you ride all the time. So it's awesome. Yeah, it, it is. It's different muscle. It's really, you know, science, right? It's just weird because it's a different group of muscles. Like you had that one little teardrop part of your quadricep right there by your kneecap. And I was telling you, like, I never feel that when I ride the road bike, but Mm -hmm. dirt today, like I was like, Oh yeah, there it is. Hello. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Hey, to each their own, man. I mean, keep getting after it, brother. That's, and I think it's kind of cool how you're, you're finding other ways to get your, uh, to get this aerobic fitness in. Uh, oh yeah because i mean you know the spill you took years ago that really set you back you know but now it's like you've no i'm serious like you've yeah where you've come from there to now i mean and to be able to just keep getting after it on the bike plus i guarantee you your brother's probably still challenging you on that ain't he oh yeah and then my wife uh so the other thing is here in germany man on sundays like i said before you don't do anything on sundays like you can go for a walk and, and they go bike riding a lot like when you go out, uh, literally here, everywhere you go, there's trails along the highway or back up in the woods. You just see bike trails everywhere you go. Right. Uh, so so that helps. But, you know, like uh, my wife, she got a rack on the back of her bike and we've got bags for that. And then I have a rack on the back of one of my bikes. So you have your little bags and, you know, you could take a snack. Actually, the cool thing we did today, man, we rode 10 miles and we we're like, hey, we're out here at one of our favorite places for lunch. Uh, let's shoot over there and let's grab some lunch. So we grabbed some lunch, you know, sat on the curb, uh, like you did when you're in school, Remember when you're in school and you would ride your bike and, <laughs> yeah. with your friends and you would like go to the corner store and you'd grab something to sit out front and eat it. Like that's how, you know, yeah. we're both, uh, we're both post 45 years old sitting on the curb, eating lunch together. And then, then that's when we realized we were post 45 years old and we were like, Oh man, my legs are so tight. We still got like four miles to go. <laughs> Yeah, me and my buddy, uh, my buddy and I actually, when we in Korea, when we go riding, we do, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles, we would, that's what we do. We would just go into one of the little Korean stores, 
buy a bunch of uh, food and then just sit outside and eat it and then jump right back on and get after it, man. Heck yeah. Get right back after it. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was nice. And it's supposed to rain. Like it rained all week last week, like the latter half of the week. And then starting Wednesday, it's supposed to rain all the way through next weekend. So we were like, well, this is the one really beautiful day. Let's get out there and uh, let's get us a ride in together. I think next ride though, we're going to take our, we had the baby carriage thing, you know, the little drag behind oh. cart for the oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to pull Pat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to put Patton's bed in there and we're going to see how she responds to being pulled <laughs> being pulled in that. We've also seen here they actually have bags that go in your front handlebars. Yeah. Uh they have bags yeah. that are made for small dogs like Patton <laughs> to ride and my wife's like, "Ooh." Oh yeah. They're like 80 euros. So we're like, let's try the cart first. <laughs> so funny, funny thing. I was just thinking about that. I don't know why I was thinking about this. You obviously you wear your helmet when you ride and stuff, right? Uh, I was scrolling. Absolutely. I was scrolling through Facebook and, and I'm totally, I mean, I'm spider webbing Uh-oh. here. Um, rabbit hole and whatever you want to. Do. Uh, <laughs> so on Facebook, I saw this advertisement for this. It, it's like a, not a, it wasn't a GoFundMe, but it was basically how to like, you know, you get your name on a list to buy one of things, but it was like an airbag for cyclists. <laughs> and you, it was an, a little, look like a little, um, like this collar thing that goes around your neck. And I thought, Oh wow, great. That's the future. We're going to be plugging things around our neck and people could control us. Uh, but, uh, but you, you take and you, you plug it together, you snap it and it, and it activates it. And when you have any type of sudden stop, it activates and it, and it's like an airbag, say, in your car, but it goes up over your head to protect your head. And, dude, the oh, the first boy. thing I thought was, why wouldn't you just wear a helmet? <laughs> yeah, it seems like a helmet would you know, be a lot yeah, more. Man. But yeah. I was just, you're, th- you're talking about all these accessories and stuff, and that's like the first thing that comes to mind. Wow, we got way off topic of what we're talking about today. My we, friend. Did. we really did. <laughs> Seems to have a lot. I mean, uh, but you know what, though? Yeah, it's the influence of, influence of cycling. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, you know, and that's the thing is, is we're going to get, we're going to get to a certain point that I actually, uh, I think on point number two, I want to, I'm going to go back and bring up something we talked about later, uh, earlier um about your rides with your wife so anyways we've got to get into this this is part two of you know what we started previously with how to win friends and influence people this part is really going to be talking about the 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking right um and it's kind of it's weird to say this and i hate using the word because it always sounds so negative but in a sense it's really not negative is manipulating in a sense, you know, getting things the way you want them to be. And I personally think it's kind of a, uh, finding that peace, you know what I mean? Like not creating, creating too much turbulence to make things move smoothly. Um, so 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Ed, you want to start us off with number one, my man? Oh man, this one's, this one's made for me. (laughs) The only way to get the best of an argument are you ready listeners i'm going to tell you how to get the best of an argument oh is to avoid it when we argue with someone no matter if we win or lose the argument we still lose um the other person will either be feel humiliated or they'll feel strengthened uh if they win and we will only seek to bolster their own position or and will only seek to bolster their own position 
we must try to avoid arguments whenever we can. So that's that's important because it's right. Like even if I win the argument, the other person doesn't, you know, uh, you know, you're in a professional environment at work or whatever, that's going to cause some ill will, some ill feelings, you know. And then there's a quote that I, I don't know who said it, but I got it from watching some of the research. And it's a person convinced against their will is a person of the same opinion still. Yes. And I thought that really played well to this because just because Brian lets me walk away thinking I won the argument, Brian still has the same thought process. I didn't change his mind. Now, we need to figure a way that we can maybe alter or change somebody's opinion on something. And usually that's done by providing some kind of facts, some kind of evidence to your way of thinking that maybe they maybe they will say, you know, like you and I, if we have a disagreement, I can see us saying you know, Brian, I didn't think of it like that. Like you're, you're right, which we're going to get to that one later. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so just best. And I can tell you from years and years of my first marriage, this is a fact. This is a fact. You don't win an argument when you win an argument. No, no. There's, I, and the thing is though, really arguing just puts people in that mindset, Ed, that they want to defend their their side of it. Yep. That's all they're trying yeah. to do, right? So while you're trying to give your side of it, they're not really listening to you. Ooh, they are, yeah. but they're not. What they're doing is is they're plotting and planning their side when it's their turn to, you know, fight back. Yeah. Versus discussing points of view and then trying to take an understanding. Now, you can't force somebody to try to take an understanding. But I think that's all built on the relationship because what you just said, Ed, like if you and I, we were to argue about something, which I wouldn't really think we'd argue about it more or less. We would state our opinions and then we we often because we respect each other and we're friends. One, I cherish the fact that you would tell me something that you don't agree with so I can understand it and vice versa. But at the same time because we would present it in a manner that wouldn't be disrespectful. It wouldn't be uh, basically trying to win something. Instead, it's trying to achieve an overall goal of togetherness. To me, I think that's how you can go about it. Now, someone may disagree with me, right? But that's okay. You don't want... Dude, I can tell you right now, I... uh, I'm putting together, you know, I sent you, uh, I sent you some, a uh, couple chapters, uh, the, the shortest chapters of uh, something I'm trying to write and put together. Well, one of the things is you don't, that it's going to be in this, this, uh, manuscript is going to be, you don't want to surround yourself by like-minded people because like-minded people don't come up with ideas, right? Ideas are generated by all these different ways that people think. And that mm-hmm. helps. It's the same thing with an argument. So, uh, yeah, I just, I try to avoid arguments yeah. normally. Um, uh, well, I know. You know go ahead. So, no, no. So, you know, there's instances, and we see it when we run a range or something, you know, things don't go well. And mm-hmm. instead of arguing with that person who is running a range, you may approach it differently and say, hey, you know, that, that range didn't go the way I, my vision of it was or, or how I envisioned it going. But what did we learn? So how, how can we make this better? for the next range in six months that we're going to run. And then when they participate in that back and forth with that, again, something we'll cover that back and forth, then you're getting a little buy-in from them. 
and and you're not making them go on the defensive. You're saying, hey, you know, it didn't go the way we thought it would. Um, you know, in the, in the words of, well, we'll we'll save him for later. We'll save him for later. But you know, a, a wise man once told me, <laughs> uh, nobody's shooting at yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> nobody's shooting at you. So mistakes happen, but it's how you approach that mistake to avoid an argument. And that's one way. Hey, it didn't go well. Let's do this AR. It didn't go well, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some things we learned from this experience moving forward? And that would work in your workplace. I mean, that can work in your household. You know, it can work in so many facets of your life and, and avoid these silly arguments. Um, yeah. You know, I said before, one of the things that I think helped my wife and I with this piece and, and not arguing a lot is we went to one of those um, marriage retreats. Right. And we're actually going to. Uh, so this year we're celebrating 17 years this year and we're going to another marriage retreat. And you would be like 17 years and you're going to a marriage retreat. Well, yeah. Why can't I never stop growing? Attempt to learn something new. Yep. Yeah. My wife and I, we're, we're interested in being lifelong learners. We're trying to learn something new. How can we. At 17 years, what's the next step in this marriage and how do we get there? To And, and one of the tools that we got is to avoid arguments very early in our marriage. And mm. I think that's why we're at 17 years. I mean, how do you spice it up from sitting around eating takeout, playing with Legos and watching Big Bang Theory? You you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you pretty much just you just you just told me my paradise, really. I mean, but, I but, lie. but it's funny. It is funny. But at the same time, it's what you two enjoy together. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. Michelle and I are the same way. We there are things that we enjoy together, and we know how to cherish those those moments. You know, uh, we joke around, we play a lot. Do we we hassle each other? Heck yeah, we do. But we also know <laughs> there are certain there are certain points you just don't step on, right? There are certain things you just yeah. don't say. I, I would, I don't, I don't, uh, I would never. I can't say never. You know, you're not supposed to say never. They always say you should, but to not call your 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 significant <laughs> other um names you know what i mean like those are just those yeah. are things and people there i wish i could speak upon some experiences that i've had to deal with uh, in the most recent past within the i'd say the previous three months of dealing with uh individuals within organizations and how they go about their relationship so it yeah it boggles <laughs> my mind, man. It boggles my mind how people can treat each other in such a manner. But uh, we, we got to get moving, man. We're we're at number All one. Right, so yeah, and we're so, number one. <laughs> the only way to avoid to win an argument is to avoid the argument. So, you know, what's next, Brian? What you got for us at number two? Well, I think this plays well, Ed, with exactly that part of avoiding the argument, but also it does. You can. <laughs> I think I think you can talk amongst each other and disagree, agree to disagree, but show respect for the other person's opinion. Never say you're wrong. We must never tell people flat out that they are wrong. It will only serve to offend them and insult their pride. No one likes to be humiliated. We must not be so blunt. I can tell you. So I wanted to bring up a situation where okay. you were telling me a story about you all, you and your Uh-oh. wife mountain biking and climbing hills and stuff. And I, yeah. I questioned you. See, you don't often, Ed, you don't realize like when I'm questioning you, I'm like, how can I put this into the show? Like I like to ask these questions and it helps. And, and we appreciate giving you, <laughs> you know, we appreciate being your tank father, your, uh, your you feed cannon fodder yeah. for the episode. Yeah, yeah, you thanks. feed me so much. <laughs> but this actually, this, I, I, it's part of the things I respect with you. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> 
I asked you, like, for instance, is it okay? You know, does she mind if, you know, if you're going a little bit faster than her and you get ahead of her and and, all this? and then you gave me the example and you said, Hey, well, you know, when we have Hills, I prefer to attack the hill. She just sits in the saddle and she just pedals, pedals, pedals up the hill and never gets out of the saddle. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And at no point mm-hmm. have you, did you take and say, you know, you should just, you know, you're probably not working the right things. You're not doing this. Instead, you allowed that to be. And then you continued on, and then what did you do? You get to the top, and you wait for her to get at the top because of how you attack the hill versus how she did. And it's, yep. you know, your body composition versus hers. It's your athletic ability against her, you know, all these different things. Instead of making it that, what you did is is it's still a togetherness, right? We're still doing this together. Yep. We may be separated for a little bit, but we're going to be together. And at no point would are you saying, well, you're wrong on your ride. And that's what it made me think of, you know, as we were, you know, discussing things earlier. Thoughts? Uh, well, I can tell you that one of those things is that 17 years. So my wife, I can tell you if I said, hey, you're not riding the hill right, that would be the end of us riding together. And I really enjoy our weekend rides, our social kind of Tory rides. So that would not happen. And um, so... <laughs> But yeah, it, you don't want to be like, oh, that's not the right way to do things. Now, I also don't want to leave her behind because then where's the enjoyment? Where's the togetherness? You know, and I thought about these things. And then we talked about before with Strava and segments. Uh, right. If I'm riding my road bike and I know there's a segment, she knows I'm going to attack this segment. <laughs> but when she gets to the end of that segment, she knows I'm going to also be waiting on her. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, or yeah. I'll come back to her, you know. Yeah. So she, we understand each other to not say, "Hey, you're wrong." Because one of the things that uh, that I find if some if you have somebody and they're like, "Hey, you're wrong," like, "Hey, Brian, that's not how you run a DA six, you know. Um, that doesn't change your mind on you're doing things the correct way. All mm. I did is now I come off as I'm rude, I'm disrespectful, maybe I'm arrogant you know we we both worked with somebody who was kind of like that they would tell people they were wrong all the time and then everybody's like oh he's so arrogant yeah you know so that and that's part of that was part of the problem with that so you don't want to and if they are wrong we have to find a way to express that without outright saying you're you're wrong so we can look for uh, using our our experience and our awareness of the person. Maybe look for some areas where we mutually agree on whatever the idea is, mm-hmm. right? And yep. then again, it goes back to what I said with the first one: provide some evidence. Like, hey, whatever this thing is, you know, I think that we could do it. You know, the organization could do this a lot better because dot 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 dot. Here's my evidence, and then that way, maybe you're expressing some influence with that person. And not disrespecting them by saying, "Yeah, that's wrong. We're not doing it that way." Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, so let's take it. Let's take this uh, scenario and we put it into, like, for instance, let's just army army terms. And you, you know, six seven eight dash one. That's a wear and appearance of our uniform and how we go about. Things, oh yes, right. So if I see a, a, a young man or a young lady and they're wearing their hat uh, incorrectly, is it does it make it a little more persuasive for me to say, "Hey, you over there." fix your hat you're wrong or is it and, and I'm, I'm knife handing as i say that by the way um or <laughs> or is it is it hey such such come here real quick all right can you tell me that what the regulation says on blah 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 oh, and learning chance yeah yeah and exactly so what i'm doing is i'm getting them to bring up 
the information. And if they say no, normally I would so do me a favor. I need you to look it up and just get back with me a little bit later on. Let me know exactly what it says. Yeah. And then normally are going to, in most cases, they're going to know what it says. They're going to fix the deficiency. And what needs to follow up with that, because you don't want to come out and be like, you're wrong, blah, blah, you know, because you want to get them to embrace your way of thinking. That's the whole point of this. This this whole mm-hmm. section is about your way of thinking. So your way of looking at right and wrong. So instead, as soon as they, they say, "Well, you're supposed to wear it parallel to the ground," blah blah blah. You're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to roll it or anything. Like that. I'm like, "Well, thank thanks for letting me know. I appreciate that. Uh, you have a great day, right?" And normally, when they're telling you what it's supposed to be, they normally fix it right on the spot. They start adjusting it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's different ways to go about things. Now there'll be there's probably be people out there that totally disagree with us or disagree with me on that. They, they they're like, no, you yeah. need to be direct. You need to set an example. I got it. That's your way of thinking. Don't tell me to do it a different way because now you're telling me I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. But that's just how I kind of look <laughs> at it when I see when I think of that. It's like how do I approach a problem in a manner that's going to be conducive enough that there it's going to help transform the way of thinking no that that's i think you you provided actually a pretty good example too because you're right um and you're you're providing a, a learning opportunity a little bit of mentorship on the side there you know so and, and it it stops that again defensiveness because when you start telling people they're wrong that's the first thing they do is they go into defensive and now they're looking for what's my my route to what's next yeah yeah exactly and you know but what happened when you're wrong you're wrong exactly and when you're wrong you're wrong what are we supposed to do when we're wrong Ed? uh if you're wrong admit it quickly and empathetically uh that would be number three brian so (laughs) hey this immediately all right so if i tell you hey if you're wrong admit it quickly own it extreme ownership i mean we're right there yes um and and so when whenever we are wrong, we should admit it immediately because when you start fighting, we never get enough. But by yielding, we often get more than we expect. And by getting more than we expect, we're talking, you know, you admit your mistakes, you show your strength and your character, you build some trust with them. I mean, I've done it. I've, I've absolutely done it. I did it when we were at the NCO Academy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you put out a timeline and you didn't get the latest and greatest information. Do I say, oh, my senior didn't give me the new information. No. Hey, I gave you all the wrong timeline. We need to go out here and do police call, like pick up trash right now. Too easy. As far as they're concerned, I admitted my own fault. I didn't point the finger at somebody. And that's going to bring me to my last point of this, uh, Brian, after you offer your opinion on if you're wrong, admit it quickly and empathetically. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me just say this over the past, I'd say two years or so, because I want to say we uh, we kind of got into the extreme ownership thing heavily about two years ago. And that's yeah. where I kind of learned about the whole admit you're wrong thing. So about two years now, I've been kind of doing this, I would say, an experiment in a sense to understand it better. But really, it's about lifelong learning for me on it. But doing that, and I find it so uh, fascinating when you, like, say, for instance, I let's say I... I notice something that should have happened, didn't happen, and I have my platoon sergeants there. And I come out and say, listen, guys, gals, this is my fault. I should have, I should have noticed this. I should have been monitoring this. I should have done this. And then you watch their attitudes, right? Mm-hmm. And watch what they say back. 
because it is hilarious to think that we've been going about this the wrong way for a very long time. Often, they'll, what they'll do is they'll try to take some of your ownership away from you and say, no, 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 it, it is my fault. I should have done this. You're right. And it's like, wow, that's it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, reinvigorating to know that people have that type of ownership and exactly that. When, when you say, hey, I was wrong. I should not have made that decision. <laughs> and all of a sudden somebody says, well, you know, we, you know, it was all of our plan. So it's not just your fault. It's, it's really good to hear that, you know? Yeah, no. So it actually, I don't know if I told you about this. So I had, uh, I had a, I had a tasking and I was late and the platoon sergeant called me and she's like, Hey, are you, you know, at the tasking? I was like, uh, am I supposed to be? And she said, Oh yeah. So I said, all right, I'm on my way. So then here comes my first sergeant, right? And I told my first sergeant, I said, hey, first sergeant, you know, I was late this morning for this ta- this tasking. So um, what time you want me to swing by your your office this afternoon to talk with you? And he says, well, what happened? I said, I, I messed up. It was my fault. You know, there's no real reason for it. And he's like, all right, you're good. Uh, don't worry about it this time. And he went on about his business. So I diffuse. The first arm, and, and he really gave me this funniest look in the world because I was like, yeah, no, there's no excuse. I was just, I was wrong. Um, so, and that's a good thing. That's absolutely a good thing. I'm, and besides, after 23 years, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm late for something about every five. I think that's fair at this point. <laughs> so I do have a question I mean, for you. Oh, go ahead, Brian. No, it's, it's funny that you said that. I had a buddy uh, once, he, he used to. Yeah, he used to say, I'm never late for anything. And he was he was always on time for stuff. And then there was that one time mm-hmm. he was not on time. Yeah. And I, I all all I had to do, this is no joke yet. It was so hilarious. All I had to do, I put my arm on his shoulder and I said, uh, glad to see you made it. And he <laughs> turned red. You know what I mean? Like you don't I didn't even have to say you were late. He knew he was late. Yeah. And he knew his pride literally just got destroyed because he was late and he'd always say he'd never be. So anyway, you had a question. I do have a question. And and hopefully this will take us down too deep of a rabbit hole. It has to do with if you're wrong, admit it quickly and empathetically, right? So, Brian, how do you feel when you see somebody blaming others? It infuriates me. Yeah. Right. No, like you, you you got instant feeling right there. Right. I get mad. Mm -hmm. Then I try to put myself in a position and figure out what what's going on. Why was somebody blaming others? Um, And often I want to get to the point of it, man. Like why one what happened and why are you blaming someone else? You know, uh, that's the blame game. Yeah. I put it in a a leadership philosophy memo that I kind of sent out to the platoon stars. And I said, hey, share this with the people. Um, the blame game works nowhere. It's, it is the biggest destroyer of any organization when, because all it turns into is a bunch of finger pointing and it's about fighting. I see, you know, it's funny, man. We don't talk about religion that much. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about government that much or anything else on this show. Um, but that's what I feel like it always is going on. Like within the government, you know, sector of it's about back and forth blaming each other and it's like okay what's the real solution here besides blaming yeah. you know like that bothers me i'm sorry go no, ahead no 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 so you're right and and so one of the things i tried um after we started with extreme ownership right uh so for instance when we were at the academy and we've had squad leaders who are in charge of the soldiers and something goes wrong within that squad 
And the squabble is like, well, it was such and such. Okay. And then I'll start questioning until the squad leader is like, well, that's my responsibility. Oh, okay. So yeah, now we're, we're somewhere here. So it is your responsibility to check the barracks before you come to class. So yeah, the room was a mess and the team leader didn't check it, but who checks the team leader? Well, I do. Ah, okay. All right. Just want to make sure. And you get that understanding and then you just explain to them, like sometimes, Hey, it's not always, it doesn't feel fair. But sometimes it's our fault and we got to look for that and, and find out why it's our fault and how we can fix it. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things I, I just that question I thought would be a good question for you and, and for me to just kind of go back and forth with a little bit. But um, speaking of yeah. back and forth. So now we're wrong. We admitted it quickly and empathetically. Brian, what's next? Before what's next, oh. the first thing I thought of when you told the little story about the uh, squad yeah. leader and all that stuff is I was like, Sounds like the wise philosopher of John Rogers. Let's peel back peel the back onion. The, let's get to the let's middle. Peel back the onion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it'd be fun to have him on here sometimes to hear his his point of view on things because you know Master he always had, retired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah almost yeah. retired. He's he's getting well. I think it's this year. He yeah he retires this year. Actually, yeah. I think <laughs> his retirement is on his birthday. I'm not sure. Oh um, wow. But yeah, so hey, we're gonna get on to the next one, number four. All right, what's next? Number four, I love this, and I've said it multiple times. I did it during NCOPD when I was Korea, um, and I've I've even talked about it here uh, with my senior NCOs, talking about beginning in a friendly way. So it's how we come about uh, uh, going after something. Right? I like to say it attack the mission, but it's like we're not attacking people. It's how do we uh, interact. And the yeah. quote it says here, and I had to, I had to you know kind of sit back a minute to think about it because I didn't uh, I didn't get what gall was until I looked it up. Um, a drop mm-hmm. of honey can catch more flies than a gallon of gall. And when I looked at I I was like gall, what is gall? You know, uh, it's at first you know the first definition was bold and uh, impudent behavior. I was like, oh okay. But there's, and it's kind of cool because when you have that bold and pundit behavior, people don't want to be around you, right? So that's that yeah. whole gallagol. But here's the other definition of it the contents of the gallbladder, bile. And I was like, wow, isn't that crazy oh. how that's used for two different things, meaning the same thing, but they were two different, completely opposites? Um, I usually tell them, I, I like to say, like, uh, you know, a, a drop of honey will catch more bees than a cup of vinegar because bees aren't going to go to vinegar. They're going to come to the honey. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, it's how you come about, you know, if if we begin our interactions with others in a friendly way, then people, they'll, they'll be more receptive to you. You know, they're like we said yesterday, we start off with a smile. People will smile back. Right. So if you start off with a friendly engagement, people will come back with a friendly engagement. And then that's how you get the back and forth. I mean, if <laughs> if even we are, are greatly upset, like I'm just completely mad, we must be friendly to influence people in our way of thinking. If I'm mad, they're going to reflect my anger, right? So we have to think about, we set the tone. And I, I, I you know, Ed, when I think about um, that type of interaction, I think about presence, right? I think about what the army tells us, what we need to have as leaders in presence, and our presence is a big thing in leadership, right? When you enter a room and you're a senior non-commissioned officer, you, you're you noticed, you're watched by everyone, 
And when that, if you set the wrong presence, it's going to completely diminish everything you have going. But if you set the right Man. one, people will, yep. they will go to the ends of the earth for you. I mean, it's, yeah. So <laughs> what do you think about that friendly endeavors? So you and I, you and I had a similar experience with this. So I'm going to go different than honey and vinegar, right? Uh, let's go with gentleness and friendliness versus fury and force. And you and I had a leader come in and he was all fury and force. Yeah. And he was, he was commenting about people and he was saying negative things about people. He was treating his peers like maybe they were less than him. Mm -hmm. I think you know who I'm talking about now. Yep. Yeah. And and what ends up happening, he loses the support of that team immediately before you even get like he he didn't even have his butt indention in his seat yet. Yeah. Like he didn't have that comfy spot in his chair. Yep. And he he lost he lost the team because I, he come in wanting to kick indoors and insult people rather than coming in and be like, hey, I'm new to the organization. Here's who I am. Let's sit and have a chat. Right. And this takes me to the quote that I read to you earlier that I found for this. This must be the quote. This must be number four must be for the quotes. Um, <laughs> if you come at me with your fist doubled, I can promise you that mine will double as fast as yours by President Woodrow Wilson. And I mean, I thought that quote was perfect for this because if you come in in a threatening manner, then I'm going to respond in a threatening manner. It's just, it's human nature. But if you come in and you're friendly and you're open, like, so for you, just, I, I mean, I never got to work with you as a first arm, but just the way you talk to me about your experiences, you come in and you're open to listening to those around you. That's friendliness. That's just a different way of looking at friendliness, but you've set yourself up to gain their trust and support immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, rather than, uh, you know, coming in on fire and, and, and you, you do, you get more out of that. And in the book, he talks about the tenant who wants his rent changed because he can't afford it. Right. And Carnegie talks about this and the landlord, but the tenant, instead of coming to him, you know, oh, my rent, my rent. He's very interactive with the landlord. He's very friendly with the landlord. And at the end, you know, landlord's kind of like, well, you know, the others will complain, but he ends up giving the tenant a cut on their rent, but it was because of how the tenant approached the situation yeah. with a friendly manner. So, yeah. I, so when we say begin in a friendly way, we're not talking about like coming in, you know, Hey, group hugs. Uh, but we are talking about coming in with a smile and being open to acceptance in the organization. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that, Ed, it comes down to basically kind of how we pose the questions to those that we're we're talking to. Uh, yes, Brian, number five. Start with <laughs> questions to which the other person will answer yes. So I learned this. I was doing sales in Canada, and this is one of the uh, things that you're taught in your salesperson training. Do not begin by emphasizing aspects in which we and the other person differ. Begin by emphasizing and continuing or continue emphasizing the things on which we agree. People must be started in the affirmative direction, and they will often follow readily. Never tell someone they are wrong, but rather lead them where we would like them to go with the questions that we are, that they will answer uh, yes to. So, you know, as a salesperson, that's one of the things, oh, 
you know, you ask them questions and you get a series of yeses. And then you say, you know, are you concerned about this product? Like, this is a very expensive product. You know, are you concerned about it lasting? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you go through a series and then you say, so would you be interested in this protection plan (laughs) scam that we got here? Uh, (laughs) But um, when they agree on something, it leads to acceptance of more challenging ideas. That's the bottom line with this. Now, I do take a little bit of issue with this, Brian. Why is that? Because I feel I feel this is a very thin line between this. Right. And manipulation, not influence. Yes, exactly. My own personal thing. I think it's a very, whoo, man, very thin. Like you could step on the line, but if I do, I'm going through line. Like it's thin. Oh yeah, it Um, definitely is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so what are your thoughts, Brian, about this? Well, you think about it, man. What you just said—it's a thin line of uh, influence and manipulation. So we want them to see our way of thinking, but we don't want to manipulate them into our way of thinking right so we want mm-hmm. to present the influence and if you think about it really getting them to yes i think that's really all you need to do and then get and then and then start reversing a little bit and get their idea behind it because if you literally you may not present enough facts that's going to completely convince them down the road right so there's that the roots aren't grown deep enough in that idea or whatever it is you did and just like with what you said about the sales pitch and, and selling uh, really mm-hmm. crappy insurance, they're going to have <laughs> buyer's remorse because they, yep. they feel manipulated versus influenced, right? And that's, kind of, that's my – and it's funny because we have had that discussion before. and We posted on the Facebook page where we talked about what's the difference between influence and manipulation. And I, yeah. I firmly believe, Ed, that influence is just – helping others get better versus manipulation i often feel like it's me getting you to do something because i want it that's yeah that's kind of my way of looking at it. so hey good point. And, and i think that yeah and i think that's why that i have i take a little bit of issue with this lead them where we would like them to go not where they would like to go yeah where we would like them to go with questions that they will answer yes to I, that's why, because that feels manipulation, not influence to me, because we're going where we want to go, not a joint effort, which we've talked about. So it's kind of, you know, we talked about earlier in the show about reaching, you know, mutual agreements on things. And and I just, so this was one of those ones I kind of, yes, I do agree. You do want to like start on an affirmative. You don't want to get hard nose right out the gate right. when you're discussing things. So if you're pitching an idea to your team lead, you don't want to start with no questions. I, I personally feel like you want to start with open-ended questions, which you and I talked a lot about at the Academy and we've talked about on the show, because then we're going to be able to use those affirmative open-ended answers to draw a discussion out and then mutually agree where we need to go. Well, you know, those open-ended questions also enable us to get their side of it, their point of view, so we can make a better evolved decision. That, that, to me yeah. all day long and and what you earlier talking about the influence manipulation too and you mentioned there lead them to where we would like them to go leadership is mm-hmm. never about me you remember i just saw you put a post about like the the top five words top six words all that stuff that was pretty good man i, I liked it um i I'm, i saved it to my phone oh yeah i got it from the patent patent leadership foundation really yeah i saw that and i was like yeah. man that's really good and i kept thinking about it and i'm like you know that very last one was uh 
the least important word one word is me or was it i i can't yeah okay. yeah it, was, it counts down like the most important six words yeah and then the final bit is the least important single word is me me that's what it was yeah and i think yeah. about and i think about this and it should instead of reading rather lead them where we would like them to go instead it should be rather lead them where they would like to go with the questions they will answer yes to right so I'm going to pose the right questions to help assist them in their journey. That's the whole point of inspiring and influencing. It's not, and you want to get the mission done, but at the yeah. same time, you got to be careful, you know? You, so you're going to say, Oh, absolutely. I'm about to give you a softball, my friend. Yeah. Because if you do, if you ask those key questions and you step back, then you allow them to do what we're going to talk about in number six. <laughs> let the other person do a great <laughs> deal of the talking. Exactly. And we've said this, we said it multiple times yesterday. We've said it in many episodes before about listening and let them talk. So people, they do not like listening to us boast. All right. They enjoy doing yeah. the talking themselves. Let them rationalize and talk about the idea because it will taste much sweeter to them in their own mouth. Absolutely. And so let's, mm -hmm. we can, we can break this apart. We can break this, this one little section apart, many things about that whole right there. Don't like to listen to us boast. You know, Ed, I don't know if you've ever, I have, a, I'm very uncomfortable about boasting about myself. Like that's something I'm yeah, boasting yeah. about right now. Like it bothers me, like because I feel like I'm at times like I don't have the platform to do so and I don't have the right to do that to other people. Now, if somebody asks about me, or something I'm doing or I'm involved in. Like, for instance, if somebody said, hey, what's this podcast thing you do? Oh, hey, I'll tell you all about it. I'll even show you how to get to it, right? But I'm not going to sit there and try to bolster up who I am. I, I believe in a, a lot of people, they don't want to do that, but they also want you to know about them. So I, I, it's like a fine line about boasting. Um, and then yeah. they enjoy talking about themselves. You get them to talk about themselves. You you uh you're you're attacking different uh things there for for you as the person listening. One, you're getting to know the individual. Two, that's going to help you become more knowledgeable on the right person, the right situation. Um, I like to call that talent management. Uh, additionally, that's going to help them get off their chest what they want you to know about them. Right. So these are these are different things. And then when they're telling you this stuff or they're explaining to you their thoughts on something. You're literally listening to them and they're probably going to go through the thought process of COAs. All right. Courses of action and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And you can you can kind of guide that a little bit to what the organization needs to be done allow them to make the decisions themselves, but they're going to go to the direction you want to. You just have to follow the conversation, you know, and simple questions is, so how do you think that's going to result? You know, that's a good question. Or mm -hmm. at what point do you see us reaching this with this, this COA? And you'll see the, you'll see the gears moving in their head, man. It's amazing because then they'll be like, well, you know what? Now maybe we can't do it that way. Maybe we'll need to do this. And you're like, I could have told you that, but it's better that I allow you to come <laughs> up with your own idea. No, I'm serious. Then that's, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, no, you're right. So my thoughts are, Brian, that this goes back to the previous episode when we talked about 
um, six ways to make people like you, man. You, oh, so yeah. when you do this and you let them do most of the talking, you're going to, first of all, you're going to show them you're genuinely, in, genuinely interested in what they're saying, right? You're going to be a, you're going to show them that you can be a good listener. You're going to be now later. I'm going to be able to talk to Schmuggatelli and I'm going to be able to talk about his interests. Hey, Schmuggatelli, did you get out on the golf course this weekend? Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I did, you know, I shot a 76. Oh man, that's good. Where at? You know, what did you think of that course? Oh, I've played that course too. I thought it was really beautiful. I really liked the Creek, whatever. But so I think that this principle, uh, you know, we've showed connections throughout these two episodes, but I think this one really encompasses a lot of six ways to, um, to get people to like, or to make people like you. I make, make sounds very, yeah, but to make people like you. Um, so, and, and that's important. And then with the listening, you're showing them that you listen, right? And that gains their respect and that which then increases your credibility as a leader, as an influencer, as a man, a woman, a person. Uh, it all comes from just showing them that you can be an effective listener. Uh, and then and then you achieve some buy-in from them, Brian. So I think that this one is very important for those things. I think allowing them to do all the speaking like we just talked about alludes to number seven ed it does so when we allow them to do all the speaking and we get a good understanding of them we can let the other person feel the idea is his or hers now with this one brian the only caution i would say is they have to be involved in the idea let's not make it you know them think it's their idea and they had nothing to do with it because now you're creating you're really creating a false sense of confidence in them that may get squashed one day later and, and have a you know dr- a dramatic impact but people inherently like ideas they come to on their own better than those that are handed to them on a platter ideas can best be carried out by allowing others to think they arrived at it themselves brian it's time my friend you know who was really good at this when people were developing their classes uh, when I was an instructor for the instructor course? No. The bearded ninja was amazing at this. Are you a man or a woman who knows mm. that people will go your way of thinking? Why is it? Maybe it's the way you look. Maybe it's that beautiful beard, luscious locks of hair growing beneath the chin and on the chin and around the mustache area and Possibly not on top of the head, but I digress. The Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb made for you, the man who wants a beard that makes you likable and people to think your way. That's right. The Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb made of snake venom and pomade. Get it today. Nowhere sold elsewhere. Thank you. <laughs> so he, when, when you know, when you're developing your class and he'll ask you questions and he's leading you to something you enjoy, right? But then once you you have that aha moment, you're like, oh, I can do my class on this. Well, people support something that they create. He created buy-in through his questioning, right, and made them. It is their idea, but at the end of the day, he guided them to it without them realizing it. So there's so many different things that can come from this. You can build teams, yep. right? Um, it, you know, you can empower team members to develop solutions. When you do this, when you develop a solution as a team, and you give them that kind of power, they're more likely to implement them. Yep. You know, they're not going to develop these. So 
when we used to do the class rules, right? As, as a classroom, they came up with the class rules on their own. And why was that? Because we knew if they came up with the rules, they're probably more apt to follow them. Exactly. Than if we just dictate to them. So that those are coming to some of the things. And now the whole class feels like, Hey, these are our ideas. We put these rules up other than the couple that we had to give them. But for the most part, Brian, and I think effective questioning, this is something that, you know, maybe we should really deep dive at some point effective questioning as a class as a uh as a as an episode you can say it, class it, <laughs> as a class i know uh effective questioning can really assist you as an influencer in in all these areas at least i think so brian but yeah what are your thoughts on letting them feel like the idea is there so i loved what you brought up when you brought up the how we used to come up with the class rules ed in the classroom uh, mm-hmm. And you said we had to give them some, but at the same time, I know uh, one of my methods was to that was to guide them to that. Right. So, for instance, if we guide them in the idea of, so let's think about cell phones. Cell phones in the classroom can they be a disturbance? And you're asking them a question. They're, that's that yes, right? That's that getting them to yes to get them to their goal, their achievement. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they'll normally say, yeah, yeah, you know, phones can, you know, they can kind of bother you. And then you'll have the one person, well, but we can also use them to kind of research stuff. Well, you got computers. We gave those to you so you can always research it. I said, so should we put kind of like a constraint or restraint on, on the cell phone usage in the classroom? And that's when they would come up with yes, and this is how we do it. Now, the yes was what I was seeking. The this is how we do it is their idea. So I was seeking their idea on how to get to that that particular rule, that, that norm that we set. Uh, it's, it's funny. There's an old saying. It's, you, can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's what this is. I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink unless you want to. Um, no one wants to see their idea or their their uh, their plan or their COA to dissolve and become nothing, right? They want to see it yeah. grow. They want fruitation. They want it to, it's representing them. It's who they are. And that's Absolutely. why it's great to use that, you know? So great idea. I love that one, man. That's that's definitely one that's in the uh, the manuscript I'm putting together right now. I'm taking a bow as we speak, just so you know. Uh, you should. You really should. Are you standing? <laughs> did you really? Did you really bow? Yes. <laughs> I had to get up the bow, and I knocked over my axe, <laughs> my Viking axe. So I had to pick that up before I, before I came back. Oh. <laughs> no, give, me, give me two seconds. I really hope that he edits this out. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is, okay, when he comes back, I'm going to tell him. I just kept saying profanity while he was gone so that he could have to edit it out. So shoot darn rootin' tootin'. <laughs> Brian, you're the best podcast partner I've ever had uh, full-time. Better not say ever because, of course, my wife was a part-timer with me. But you're the best podcast partner I've ever had full-time. <laughs> come back and i see all these waves yes so because you tend to not like to edit out my director's commentary sometimes oh, that's funny uh 
I went on a profanity laced tirade to make sure that you take it out. Uh, <laughs> so I, so I like like when uh, um, and this is before we get back into the actual number eight. Um, like the time that you unplugged your headphones like twice, I left those in because I was like, yeah. you know what, that shows. I was like, why take that out? That like shows humility and humanity and all this, and it just it was funny hearing you go, darn it, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so Oops, uh, I did it. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm <laughs> all that's right. gonna be in there now. Um <laughs> all right, number eight, Ed. Because number eight we know that it's good to get other people's ideas. Try honestly to see things from other person's point of Ooh. view. Oh my goodness. I think this is I think this is truly the reason why. Like, for instance, you, myself, and the Beard Ninja would sit in an office and we would talk about things, right? I think part of it was because we all had our own points of view to achieve the same goal, and it was good to hear each other's points of view. Like, that's that's what I got out of it for, for those few years we were all together, and I feel like that that's probably one of the most conducive ways. And let's just let's push mm-hmm. it even further. It's kind of the way I like to uh, try to lead with the senior NCOs that I have as in the organization as platoon sergeants right now. I want to hear their points of view. I, I literally will say, we've got to do X, Y, and Z. What do you all think? Because I want to hear what they think could be a roadblock. I want to hear about what they think could be a success. I want to hear about what they think the soldiers may think about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's yeah. that staying connected. And right here it talks about other people may often be wrong, but we cannot condemn them. We must seek to understand them. Success in dealing with people requires a sympathetic grasp of the other person's viewpoint, otherwise known as empathy. We can't have apathy when we're dealing with other people. We have to have empathy. If you're somebody who works in a cubicle and all you do is work by yourself for yourself and that's it or in your home and you don't deal with people it doesn't matter about your empathy really doesn't right you you because you don't have to do it right but as soon as you're a part of a team you have to have some type of empathy you 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 your understanding of them and their knowledge set right you, you take it for instance uh and we often reference the academy and where we worked and how the people we worked with, but we were actually a conglomerate <laughs> of, and I, I like to say a band of brothers or a band of misfits, whichever way you want to take it. Um, but we were a group of people with different backgrounds, different mindsets. Yep. We all had different, like a lot of us had different uh, MOSs or job sets in the army. Uh, we come from different places um around the country and the earth so we were take all this different stuff and that's what i thought was so great about working there is because we got to see all these different things uh before that the only other type of interactive i ever had interaction like that i got to have was when i was recruiting but everyone's goal was hey how many contracts we can get so it wasn't as i didn't feel like it was as conducive it was that was about you know like one of those jobs it's about me because i gotta provide i gotta produce Right. I'll take your idea. But if it doesn't work, then I got to do this, you know, versus, you know, leadership academy where we're supposed to be training, molding, mentoring, coaching and and, uh, guiding along new leaders. 
to get all this different experience, all it did was literally make my tool bag bigger. Because before that, could I say effectively that I knew how to uh, reach an infantry soldier? No. Or an, an MP? No. Or a supply clerk? No. I knew I knew I I knew aviation. I know how to relate it to aviation, right? <laughs> I I know it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like once we got into that conglomerate of things, it really was good. And then to hear when somebody uh if somebody was wrong and to hear their side of it, it was like, okay, I see why you would think that. Uh, one of the biggest questions we always asked at, and you'll remember this because it probably weighed heavily on in your ideas. Uh, we uh, negligent discharge, right? Negligent discharge. For those of you listening, it's where somebody's weapon is shot on accident and it shouldn't have went off. And we used to bring it up in Law of War, and that was one of the questions we would ask all the time during the Law of War class: was if somebody has a negligent discharge, what are we supposed to do? And they'll give you the answer: what you supposed to do. And then I like to always follow it up with: what would you do? And what were some of the answers you would get, Ed? Um, so I never, I don't believe, I'm trying to think about use that one in Law of War. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times, I, I can tell you from seeing it, though, that a lot of times people, you know, they might give the uh, proverbial smack on the hand. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe actions aren't really taken. I can tell you early in Iraq, like 2004, they were called accidental discharges. Now, you probably remember this. And they were not treated uh, very severely. No. And then they became, well, it's not an accident. Now it's negligence. And that is, so in like 0405, that's when they changed the term. Yeah. No, I uh, remember. For it. Yeah. But it's all based off the culture in that unit. So you may get a different answer for somebody who's a combat related military occupational specialty than you will from the dental tech. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that was my experience with that question. You know, a lot of times, the, the, and to be honest, the the answer I would get would depend upon the person. I'm like, whoa, how is that? Is that fair? Like, it depends if it if it says in some type of uh, policy letter that a negligent discharge negligent discharge will receive an Article Fifteen. That's what it is. That's that's clear, concise. Well, you know, what if they're a good person? I got it. But they still did wrong, you know, and yeah, and then you, you're a senior. Yeah. And, and that was like I love fueling that 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 argument back and forth. I, I, I that was one of those that was one of those classes that I truly enjoyed playing the devil's advocate. I really did. And reason why I say that, Ed, is just like it says here, it allowed me to see other people's points of view and way of thinking, which enabled me to make, I think, well-informed decisions as a senior leader. So yeah, that's, and that's what I get out of it, man. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it kind of brief ish, but when you talk about understanding somebody else's point of view, well, this also could be their goals. What is their purpose? What are they after? What's in it for them and your organization? Because then you can use that to kind of fuel their fire to motivate them. And then once you have that kind of understanding, so people who have an understanding attitude, are more relatable, and therefore, I believe that that makes you a better leader. Yeah, yes. I agree. You know what I mean? So yeah, you knew, Brian knows it's different in certain MOSs how they treat that negligent discharge. You knew it. Oh, yeah. And because you 
you you acknowledged it. Yeah, I get it. Doctrine says this, but we know that these things happen. It made you more relatable to them and build that connection with your students. And therefore, it, you become a better leader from it. So that's one of the big things. I, I really like to try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Now, there's there's flip sides to it, right? It's not always a, um, a, a positive thing. And, and sometimes people's point of view is just like, so I've worked with officers who their point of view is the army should run like a fortune 500 company. And they question every little army type of thing or military type of requirement. And they're like, well, if we just pay bonuses, people would do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't work like that. This no. is not corporate America. This is the military. And there's a reason behind these things. So I can't get behind a point of view like that. But yeah, for the most part, it is good to understand and um, it's good to understand that point of views are different, like where they come from. You know, the, the kid, the kid from California, the kid from Maryland and the kid from Florida, their point of views on things are going to be a little different. Yeah. And you have to understand that because you can't address that. That helps you mentor them and, and, and relate to them huh? well, better relatable. Right. On a different level, because you understand these differences. And, and that's when you get that connection. But what about that being sympathetic thing? Yeah, number nine, be sympathetic with other person's ideas and desires. People are hungering for sympathy. They want us to recognize all that they desire and feel. If we can sympathize with others, they will appreciate our side as well and will often come around to our way of thinking. This is an excellent way to exhibit uh, influence because what it really does is it keeps channels of communication open. Yeah. Right? Which then increases our chances of being an influential person because if we're not sympathetic and we shut down that communication channel, our, our influence opportunities have just greatly and drastically decreased. But when we keep that thing flowing with whoever it is, that, that that's how you really get to have an impact as an influencer, Brian. I think this one is, at least that's for me, That that's kind of my standpoint. Basically that is my bottom line on it. Keeps channels of communication open increases our chances of being a better influencer just by being sympathetic with other person's ideas and desires. What is it that they want? Uh, and, and how can we help them with that? You know, and I used to, uh, one of the, in one of the classes, uh, I can't remember which one it was that we would give. Oh, I think it was counseling. Actually. I used to talk about this. Uh, but one of the ideas that I had that it was kind of a thing where I would question people on, cause I wanted to see what their thoughts were on it. And it wasn't part of the lesson plan, but it was kind of a way for me also to get further in depth of understanding was, you know, uh, asking the young leaders is, do you think it's uh, easier for somebody who's had a rough upbringing and had to deal with a lot of uh, different issues and problems, things like that, for them to be able to understand you and to counsel you through your own issues versus somebody who kind of had the the silver spoon in their mouth and they don't know what it's like to struggle on this and that. And you would, man, I'm telling you what, that would create some of the greatest debates because people would say, well, well, what's your definition of struggle? Because, you know, somebody who's rich and they go without this, that's kind of a struggle for them and that's their form of pain. But then you have the, those who mm. grow up with, they had to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all week, and that's all they could have. That's a struggle. Or they had to eat go without food except for once a day, you know. And you would watch. And to me, it was a way for me to understand how to be sympathetic for with others 
is I have to evaluate their situation. What we talked about earlier, I have to see their point of view. And then what that did is that kind of brought me to that level of understanding and being and, and knowing how to be sympathetic because different people require different different levels or different styles of sympathy, different uh, reactions because because they're different, right? Um, mm-hmm. And to me, I th- I've always just felt like that was kind of a, a cool way to go about it. Uh, but who knows? I mean, everyone has their own way. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's an interesting way to to approach it. And you know, when you talk about counseling, that it's again, we have to understand what are their desires. That counseling is a chance for we us to really get through to them and understand that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and it's a chance for us through effective questioning to exert our influence and help them with their career. So no, I think that's a good one, Brian. Uh, you know, for number. Nine. Number nine. Let's move on to number 10. And I'm going to tell you right now, number 10 is one of those ones where my mentor has um, has really, uh, he's planted the seed and it has grown unbelievable with me. Uh, Sergeant Major Brian, he always appeals to the nobler motives. It just, something about him, right? Um, and I'm going to explain to you just a second. I want to read what they say here, but I'm going to explain to you one of the things he used to do that really appealed. And I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Um, so everyone likes to be glorious in their own eyes. People believe that they do things for noble and morally upright reasons. If we can appeal to others, noble motives, we can successfully convince them to follow our ideas. All right. So here, you know, every year, we uh, we have the combined federal campaign, right? The CFC, where we donate money, uh, and I yeah, I've always yeah. I always look for you know the the, the cause that you know, what like I like to give to the Autism Speaks one every year, um, and the different people they give to this yeah obviously, uh, but so obviously you you have a representative within the organization, and they're the ones who people talk to. They're supposed to basically announce it to whoever to every everyone. They're supposed to be contact one hundred percent of everyone that they have been notified that CFC is going on and that they can donate. Well, one of Sergeant Major Brown's uh, things, and I've heard him say it multi- like a couple different, well, multiple times, actually, not a couple, uh, when he would announce it and he would say, listen, I can't tell you you have to donate. I can't tell you how to donate. I can't even tell you that uh, you really should donate. But what I can tell you is, has Everyone here is. Is there anybody here who's never been affected by cancer? Had a loved one, a friend, a mother, or known somebody that had problems with cancer? Oh yeah, right. That's a good example. And he and he would say to me, "That's a good cause to give to." Then, if we've all been affected by it, and I was just like, every day, I'm like blown away. Like that's like getting to that deep moral cause, and you were just like, "Yeah, you know yeah. what? That is the right thing to do." And what is he doing? He's engaging this army pro. It's not really army. It's a federal program where all federal employees can donate a certain amount of money towards all these different things. He's engaging that, and he's. I'm telling you, Ed, we had some of the highest amounts of donations while he was our first sergeant. <laughs> I'm telling. It, it was amazing. Um, another another example, and I've said this one before on here, so people will remember this. Would be. You know about you know safety. He'd have the safety stand. We'd always you know every Friday we have the safety brief. Hey, don't do this, don't do that. And one of the things that I actually have taken from and I used it. And those of you in Korea, they'll know exactly because they heard me say <laughs> to them, right? Is there's X amount of people in this formation. Let's say this 300, right? 
There's 300 people in this formation. If all 300 people did one good thing a day, that's 300 good things a day. Multiply that times seven, times 12, times however many, and keep multiplying it. That's a lot of good stuff. We should try to do it. And it's mm-hmm. not that he's telling us we have to, right? Not that we're we're being forced to, but we're, we're mentally, we're thinking about, okay, what's the right thing to do? You know, what's the nobler, mo- nobler motive here, right? And it's to do something good. So your thoughts, my man. Yeah, no, I thought, so Brian, you really like, you you kind of took away any thunder I could have had if I <laughs> wanted to. Like, um, you know, you talked about the, the CFC. I mean, and you're, we're talking greater good, bigger picture kind of stuff. And um, yeah, man, I mean, really, it's just, if you can appeal to somebody's no, nobler ma- motives, right? It's It's a great motivating factor. And it's more motivating than, showing them how it personally it benefits them as a person. So instead of saying, Hey, Brian, here's how this one thing can impact your life and help you and be a benefit to Brian. Right. I mean, we're talking cancer research. We're talking, you know, autism speaks. We're talking millions of people impacted by your greater good contribution. So no, you know what, Brian, that's all I got, man. You, You crushed it. Uh, let me then you just say the big picture. Let me put it on the smaller, the smallest frame possible that he, he used to say. And that's what I'm saying. This is why I consider him my mentor, my, you know, my coach. I go to him when I have questions because I seek his knowledge on things or just his idea because his outlook is because we talk about appeal to the noble motives. The question that um, I've, I heard him say before was, how's that going to affect the soldier? One person. He literally, but he's re- he's referring to an entire formation. But he says, right. "How's that going to affect the soldier?" And I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, like I'm literally wanting to do something better, <laughs> just in case I could affect one soldier, but it could be good for all of the soldiers. So yeah, it's just it's just to kind of take that frame. We can we can bolster it up to make it a larger piece, or we can make it look like a smaller piece. Either way, it's that noble cause. So, what's next, Ed? Wow. Well, next, Brian. Oh man, we're we're almost at the end. I, this is crazy. I can't believe we're almost done already. You could almost say um, number eleven is what I did to help understand number ten. Oh, it's, yeah. Thanks a lot, Brian. No, <laughs> uh, number eleven is dramatize your ideas. So again, let's all of our listeners keep in mind this book was originally published in nineteen thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-seven. So let's keep that in mind. In this fast-paced world, simply stating a truth isn't enough. The truth must be made vivid, interesting, and dramatic. Television has been doing it for years. Sometimes ideas are not enough, and we must dramatize them. So this is one that I really had to, I watched a little video, and I had to really dig to get kind of an understanding. And, and the bottom line of this is if you can show ideas rather than just speak them. And when we talk about making them vivid, like instead of saying, hey, I want to qualify, you know, 10 guys or 20 people at the range. Well, when you spread that out and say, hey, I want to range, we're going to qualify 20 out of 20 people. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. This is going to be available for them. This is going to be. And you start painting a picture. And we've we've done an episode of visualization. For me, that's what I think this is talking about. It's talking about expressing your vision and more than just simple 
um, words. And when somebody understands the ideas as when you, when you, you know, you dramatize your ideas, they're more likely to be engaged. And then we are more likely to be influential when we have the ability to do this. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I went with this, Brian. How did you go with this? Cause this is not an, by no means did I find this an easy one to hammer home. So Ed, this is just my take on it. Uh, and it's, it could be right, wrong. I don't know when he, it said right there, uh, must be made vivid, interesting, and dramatic, vivid, interesting. To me, that spells storytelling, right? Uh, yep. it, it helps us understand it. So the details in the story, for instance, uh, we talked about yesterday, uh, inside Delta force is a book that you said, Hey, great read. Well, there was a reason why you were like, that's a great yeah. read, right? Okay. Was it, was it vivid? Yes. Was it interesting? Yeah. And was it dramatic? Yep. Yeah. 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 So it drew you to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how, that's how we look at things. Uh, so when I when I just told the stories about how we com- uh, we we can donate to combined federal campaign or we can do good things for people or we can do something for one soldier, what it is is I put drama in it. It could be the tone of the voice, it could be the the look on the face. You know, mm-hmm. um, if if I want somebody to feel sorrow, I shouldn't smile when I'm talking about something. Right? That's that's the mentality. So it's like I have to show my emotions on my face. You know, I've been told before and you, I think you have too, is like you wear your emotions on your face. You probably should, oh, yeah. you know, like oh, especially, yeah. especially <laughs> when, when you, you hear something that you think is really stupid and you're like, huh? You know, yeah, this is yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That. that's probably why they got me an office <laughs> on the fourth floor by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it's how we go about, you know, getting into it. And it's understanding I, to tell you the truth, man, uh, a long time ago, I got a really great friend by the name of Mike Taylor. Mike Taylor, uh, he lives in the Arizona area. He he served with us. Um, and, and to make long story short, Mike Taylor, he once said to me, he's like, you need to increase your vocabulary. And I was like, what? And there's nothing wrong with my how I speak. you know." That <laughs> and he said, you use the same words over and over again. How are you able to effectively you know, communicate with everyone if you have just the same simple vocabulary? So I think hmm. for people to understand how to be vivid, interesting, or dramatic, one of the key pieces they can do is help increase that vocabulary. Um, and it could be learning a new word a day or anything like that to help you understand how to use certain words. Uh, one of my biggest... You know, there's a word that I cannot stand how people use it because it's it was probably habitually used incorrectly so much that it's just people have lost the idea of what it actually <laughs> means, you know, and you know what it is? Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. What is it? Uh, well, I was going to try to use it to be to be a wise guy, but, uh, you know, you didn't give me an opportunity to caveat off of what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's it yeah. man. caveat caveat drives me nuts but it's understanding words right yeah. and that's what i was getting to about being vivid interesting they do you know uh i learned uh i learned from sergeant major brian don't ever put the word exudes on an ncoer or an evaluation report <laughs> because it, to exude in definition when you look at it to ooze I don't ooze anything, right? Uh, like oozes well, leadership. Machismo. It's just like, uh, yeah, you know, I don't machismo, know. Yeah. Machismo. <laughs> <laughs> I ooze machismo. But, but that's understanding. And so when you can take 
That's your first step of understanding how to be vivid, interesting, and dramatic. The next is understanding storytelling. You know, there's a point to a story. So you should have an increase, you know, when telling a story. There should be a dramatic increase. And they're, they're almost at that point of the, 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 the peak of the story. And then they, like a roller coaster, they drop. Like, oh, wow, I didn't, you know. And it's like that sudden shock or that moment of, of understanding. That's how you, so if you go to tell a story, make sure you have that, that, that arch yeah. where all of a sudden, they're like, oh, you know, it, some of the best stories, man. I mean, you and I, we're we're really big into comic books, and some of the best stories I've ever read were in comic books, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got thousands and thousands of comic books, and it's funny that, you know, you, you'll you'll see some of these books out here, and you're like, well, the comics are, the, you know, it has way better dramatization <laughs> and stuff like that, and it's more vivid. Well, it's because it got pictures, and I love pictures, but. Um, but that's my take on dramatization, man. I went a little bit long-winded on that. so No, no. So playing off of what we've talked about over these last two episodes, Brian, no, I because I, I, I didn't quite, you know, I, I grasped the idea, but I didn't grasp it firmly enough to, to give some great examples and paint a picture. So I really appreciate your assistance with this one since it was my task. And uh, you helped me out a lot by providing some good examples, Brian. Thank you. Well, I think that it kind of appeals to the nobler motive of realizing that I'm right. Um, no, <laughs> no, you're wrong. Um. <laughs> wow, we just violated. Um, yeah, no, I get. Yeah. You know, I totally get it, man. Because that's it's one of those things where you know we get to listen to each other and we understand better. You know, and it helps. I think it helps. Yeah, it's funny, Ed. I, you know, and and we're gonna get to number twelve right here in a second. But it's funny how w- you and I can speak about something during the show. And it just seems like within that week that we spoke about it, I'm dealing with that. And I'm like, oh, and I talked about this. Let's do this. Blah, 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 blah. You know? So it helps out. And that's why I enjoy doing the show. Big part. Um, and then helping others. But here's here's the big part of this, Ed. This entire thing of, you know, the, the 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking is to throw down a challenge. And you know, Dagon, well, we love a challenge. I mean, especially in the service. I mean, that's kind of how we get people to do better. Uh, the thing that most motivates people is the game. Everyone desires to excel and prove they're worthy. If we want someone to do something, we must give them a challenge and they will often rise to meet it. So I want to give you a physical example of this, Ed. Uh, so you, you've done the ACFT yourself, right? I have. Yep. And you did the sprint drag carry, correct? Yes. <laughs> so in the testing phases of the sprint drag carry, because when I spoke with the instructors that came out and did, they did the, the, the MTT with us, uh, or yeah, they, they basically went over the entire thing and they trained us on it and then they put us through it. They explained that in the sprint drag carry originally, that event was a single event, like like one person at a time type th- situation, which obviously that would take forever, but let's not even think about that. They said when they went from that to putting multiple people on a field at once, like, like 10 lanes uh, all at the same time, they actually right. seen speeds faster because people were trying to go faster than the those to their left and their right. Yes, I can see that. So they were challenged. It was It was... It was like a, it's almost like a not spoken of, uh, but 
just kind of like understood challenge of being yeah. better. And and I and that like to me that made total sense about throwing down a challenge. Yeah, no, that's actually pretty good, Brian, because it's true. So I, you know, first of all, there's nothing that does an old dude's heart better than to beat some young kid. And when I was doing the sprint drag carry, <laughs> sprint drag carry, this young man was a, a like, you know, he was a, a segment behind me. And as I'm passing him, I'm going, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're 20 years my junior and I'm crushing you right now. Uh-huh. And then my gas tank went on empty and he caught up. Yep. But that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was probably much smaller yeah, than you, though, well, he's right? A, uh, he's a little guy, but he ain't that little. Uh, I actually just helped him prep. Dude, you're not you're not that <laughs> small. I'm just saying. You're a big dude. So for you to do this for a career at a fast pace, I mean, I could only imagine the energy you were wasting. Because, I mean, and I'm not – people, if you don't know Ed, Ed is not a – he's not an overweight guy. He's just well, a large frame. Ish. Think <laughs> of world's strongest men type guys. He's just big and it's you know massive you know it's that's why I, I guess that's why i like being around you man you're like a protector i mean you say the you say the sweetest things man <laughs> <laughs> but seriously so that's a that's an internal challenge to yeah. do better and i i feel like those are the people honestly brian if i'm being 100 percent honest those are the people who need to serve 25 30 years in the military those people that have that internal competition in them that that i need to do yeah. better because those are the ones I think are, mm-hmm. are they make very effective leaders. And now let me let me don't get me wrong, there are great leaders who do not have that. But at the same time, you know, if I'm a commander, if I'm a first sergeant, I want my organization to be the best one in the battalion. Bottom line, it's it's knowing how to tap into it. Ed. Yeah, it's figuring if, out how to you, tap into it. I I yeah, want to be the best of whatever I do. You don't that's just yeah. If you don't know how to assess a challenge and then be able to present it. People will not accept it. Yeah, yeah. So Straight you up. do have to figure that out. Um, and and it's a motivation thing, man. It if you can figure out how to stimulate a, a healthy competition, um, you know, people want to do better. They want to prove that they can. You're, you're the people that work for you. They want to prove that they can do better to raise their performance level to meet your expectations and exceed it. If you figure out how to challenge them and, and that's a, that's not a bad thing. And one of the good examples that I, I um, found during my research, what about our Olympic athletes? Our Olympic athletes fit mm. this criteria because they're always getting better because they're always being challenged by the next guy or gal to come down the pike. You know, Usain Bolt was on top of the world, but he was still pushing himself and pushing himself to be better because he knew somebody was nipping at his heels. Well, he was looking for. He also was looking for that PR too. You know it. Right? Yeah, and that's a personal. That's a personal challenge. Yeah. So there's these things that you find, and I thought that Olympic athletes, like, why does why did you know we get the the shows out now? But why did Michael Jordan spend hours in the gym? Why did Kobe Bryant? Yeah. You know why? Why did Michael Phelps stay in the pool? Yeah, man. Could you imagine how shriveled his fingers were? By the way, just a side note. Like, man, he spent so much time in there. But those are those driving. <laughs> things why why do you chase segments when you're out on your bike brian because i want that challenge why do you try to be a segment and i want to be number one yeah you stimulate your own competition internally to be better so this one right here was one of my favorite because everybody knows on the show already that i'm a stat guy i chase these things because that's just who i am 
There's a yeah. reason that I go to the gym and I'm like, I, I look at the guy next to me. I go, I need to lift heavier than him. Not currently because I'm way down because of the gym's being closed for COVID. But normally I'm telling you, if, if I go in the gym and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to just squat, whatever, 275. And the guy next to me puts up 285. Yeah. I'm going up, man. It's just, it's <laughs> way up. he doesn't even know we're competing, but we're competing yeah. and I'm watching. Oh, he, Oh, he probably knows because he's probably doing the same thing to you. Yeah, because when I put two eighty five, he's going, "Oh my goodness!" Now I got to put up two ninety five. Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so that's it's important, but it is a way to influence those around you right. uh, by being able to stimulate uh, that competition. And like you said, I think the hardest part of number twelve is figuring out how to do it to get yeah. the buy in from them to motivate them to want to do we, the challenge. Yeah, it, and we gave we gave physical versions of this right yeah. now i want to take the mental side of things or the understanding okay. of to reach something so let's talk elon musk elon yeah. musk spacex they just sent the first two men to space with their spacex uh shuttle uh their rocket that not only comes back but also lands itself on a platform and it does it all through programming by itself. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. It does. It's programmed to do this. But when he started off, right, they it was said to him, "You're not going to get that to come back to the earth the way you want it to." <laughs> challenge yeah. accepted. You know, as Ooh. as people would say, <laughs> challenge accepted. And he took and he put the right minds to it, and they they worked tirelessly. And now they've been working on this project for years. You know, and yeah. to be honest, I'm. I, I'm a big fan of what all, you know, like Tesla and SpaceX and all, all the different things that they are, they're generating because they're like, yeah, you said it couldn't be done. We're doing it. You know, they got the, they got the, the cars, uh, they got the SUV, they're about to build a truck. They got the Tesla home stuff. Um, they've got the SpaceX thing going on. I mean, these are all the, they're boring holes. They got the boring company. He calls it the most boring company <laughs> in the world. Um, they got the holes they're building in you know, throughout to create these massive tunnels for quick transport from location to location. I mean, there's a magnitude amount of things that are going on in the mental capacity. Let's let's back up in time even further, Ed. Let's look at let's look at the way Mac became what it is under Steve Jobs. Right? Steve Jobs was a bit. Don't get me wrong. He was a, he he seemed like a tyrant, but his mindset is we're ch we're being challenged. You know he. You know, you watch any of those movies, um, Ashton Kutcher, one of your favorite guys from that 70s show, probably, <laughs> uh, you know, he played Steve Jobs in the, in, in the one movie and in the way he went about the role, you know, and basically when they were trying to sell the first uh, Apple computer kits, he basically, he was like, well, how many do you want? And the guy was like, we'll take this amount. He said, I'll have you this amount. And so he basically issued a challenge to his team, which he did. You know, it was a little bit much, but it was just so cool. It's so cool to know that, you know, a challenge isn't physical. It's a mental capacity, too, that comes with it. So that's my take on it. Yeah, no, I it's good, though. And it's and also as an individual, I think it's important for you to understand how to challenge yourself. Yes. You know, what makes you better? What is your motivation to be better? And I think that that helps you be not just a better influence, but just a better human. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so to kind of give you an idea, um, it's funny that you said that, Ed. I think it, a lot of it has to come down to goals, setting goals, right? Uh, I mm -hmm. recently I came up with a bit of a challenge of myself that I I sent you, like I sent you those 
different things. I said, hey, read this. Would you mind doing this? I've already taken a look at those. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've got some more stuff, but I'm not ready to send it to you yet because I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a chapter at a time once I'm done writing them. Um, but it's setting goals and say, hey, I want to reach this by this date, you know, or I want to uh, to try to increase the knowledge or the understanding of this by this time of this and many people. It's really I think a lot of it has to do with setting up goals and little waypoints to help people to measure progress because. Now you can measure progress too much, right? You you can get I can go and get on the scale every day, and I'm not going to notice as much. Oh, I'm down a pound. Oh, I'm down a pound. I'm down a pound. But let's say I get on a scale today, I weigh myself, and in four okay. months down the road is when I weigh myself again, and I stay on this steady diet and all this stuff. I'm going to see this massive change. You know, I'm probably going to see a different look in the mirror. I'm going to see a different weight on the scale. I think those are the things. It's like like you said, you're a stack guy. You want to see the oh, progress, yeah. and I think oh, I think yeah. that's why I think that's why you are the way you are when it comes to the Strava segments because it's like I can see that. I know, like you, I guarantee you, like every time you've ever been off like two seconds from either PRing or getting a you know heart. the tub, yeah. But you're like, if I would have just pushed a little bit more right here, and you knew exactly when you slacked off, right? Yeah. And then you're you're like I'm gonna do it again, but I'm not slacking right there. I mean, does it not help? It it absolutely helps, yeah. And and it makes you challenge yourself, and then it also gets rid of some of the monotony of a long ride too, right? Like, <laughs> yes, this is me. And I'm I mean, yeah, no. And back in the in the Campbell days, man, the first thing I did it wasn't look where my place was; it's look where you were, so I could see. <laughs> how I could chase you down when you weren't around. I think one time I beat you by like a second or something Yeah, and th- let the texting commence, man. I was like <laughs> trash talking you <laughs> and then you went out and beat me. Yeah, but, so no, but, but it's we were fun better. and it did make us better. I am, uh, since I rolled with you, I am a mile and a half per hour faster. Oh, I wouldn't. Doubt. I mean, I, and you know what, since riding with you, I haven't ridden enough since I got back from Korea. I'm probably a mile and a half slower. So, yeah, no, but the squat life also helped, man. <laughs> <laughs> squat life. Yeah, that does. Help. I've, I've learned that the quads, uh, they definitely need the good, you know, they're everyday leg day. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have reached an hour and a half on this part of the oh, top, man. at least 12 uh, ways to win people to your way of thinking. And I, I couldn't agree more with what Dale has said here. It's funny, Ed, when I read all this stuff and I prepare for this, I feel like is we're reviewing podcasts we've already done. So if I were to ask you, how could people know more about us and even possibly listen to some of our older stuff? What would you tell them? How could they get to know us? Well, I'll tell you, Brian, the first thing they could do is go to social media. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at 101 influence. They can find us also on Twitter both of us have individual accounts on the Twitter. They can also find us at our website, website instinctiveinfluencers.com. And then if you want to listen to some old shows, then go to your favorite uh, variety of podcast downloads and Google Play, Apple, and listen to the episodes, rate and review us, and uh, and then go ahead and enjoy. And and I, I encourage you to go back and, you know, I think that there, there are episodes, we reference a lot of our previous episodes, Brian. So 
you kind of want to listen to them in order, but at the same time, I think you could jump around. Yeah. Now don't go listening to like episode two of a book review and then go back to episode one, but I would encourage you. And, and those are my favorite episodes, Brian, when we're doing books, uh, these series we're on now though, has been excellent with Dale Carnegie, but yeah, go check us out on all those platforms and we will get back to you when you leave a comment or a review. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to issue a challenge uh, because I, th- I'm pretty sure by people listening to this, they are probably on the same route that we are about thinking. And our biggest thinking is the reason they listen to it is because they want to also be good influencers in life and leadership and, and in their community, their church, their family, their work, whatever. But to me, issuing a challenge there's two different type of people listening to this show right now there's those who've repeatedly listened and then this is their first mm-hmm. time all right so if you're a repeat listener you already have some episodes you've probably listened to and you really liked i want you to share that with someone all right i want you to Ooh. share that with someone that you may not have um shared this before with or you may have and they just hadn't listened yet right and say hey you should really listen to this we really enjoyed i enjoyed this part and i've heard a lot of people love the integrity show we did sometime back and you know the memorial day one was a big hit from what i understand and i'm gonna tell you ed i've gotten feedback from people like i had a star major friend of mine uh i i say he's a good old friend very old friend we were sergeants together back in the original invasion of iraq he hit me up. Uh, I seen actually I seen him. He's a he's a star major here. I seen him and he's like, hey man. He's like that Star Wars episode you guys did. He's like, I loved it. It was amazing. So, um, but, but with that being Aww. said, <laughs> but with that being said, if you're somebody who's listened to this before, your challenge is to share it. If this is your first time listening to us, uh, well, thank you. First, uh, second, your challenge, Absolutely. listen to more. Right. Go back. Listen to that Star Wars episode. Listen to that integrity episode. Listen to, you know, our suicide episode way, way back when. Listen to our Roy Benavides episodes. Listen to all this stuff. And then now you're a repeat listener. So your challenge just increased. Your challenge then would be to share it. So that, that's my that's my take on it. Ed. That's how I think we're going to uh, we're going to be able to do this one influencer at a time, my friend. Yeah, I mean, uh and, you know, speaking of, we, t- we talked about throw down a challenge, Brian, well, you and I got a heck of a challenge ahead of us and we're going to, we're going to figure it out and keep good content going to our, our listeners and uh, let them enjoy come September. I think September is suicide awareness month. Yeah. I think that would be an amazing time for us to release our follow up to uh, our suicide awareness. You just reminded me when you mentioned it and I'm like, that would be a good time for that follow up. That would be. Uh, and then I, you know, I think we should do a Veterans Day episode. I'm saying it on the air. I'm putting us on the hook, man. It's good. I think we should do a Veterans Day episode. And you know whose birthday Veterans Day is? Who's that? General George Smith Patton Jr. Oh. is born on Veterans Day. Wow, that guy. <laughs> so maybe, hey, maybe, yeah, maybe we can start our uh, our Patton series then uh, that we were talking about. We will definitely look at it, my friend. Um, it's, it's so, yeah, that'd be a good idea. So those are big. I'm things. excited. Those are big things to look yeah. at, man. Uh, so I love that idea. I can't wait for the suicide prevention month uh, stuff. And I think what we're going to do, uh, audience, we're going to probably incorporate every episode for that month. We'll have something to do with that suicide prevention because we really want to make mm-hmm. the awareness of this. So, I mean, it could be me just telling Ed, hey, I need you to do 22 pushups a day for us and then videotape it. And then we'll just, you know, no, nah, I'm just joking. Um, Whoa. Uh, (laughs) when it comes to the veterans day, uh, that's always an exciting time. Last year's veterans day was really fun because we ended up doing that, that, uh, that group show. We had 
we had Quentin Furman on, and we also had Rick, yeah. Rick, the Bearded Ninja Williams, and then you and I, and it was like just a, a four way conversation. Uh, and then on top of that, I'm excited, Ed, because this is episode 77. We are wow. only we are only 23 episodes away to hitting that big 100, and I I, I don't even know what to call it yet. Maybe we should just call it the extravaganza. I don't know. I, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but we're going to have to, brother, we're going to have to dig deep because that's a big milestone for us. Um, we're going to dig deep and we're really going to have to, the challenge is to provide the content, but also include the right people on that show. Yeah, I think that would be, oh, yeah, that would be, it'll be interesting. I, man, it's been a heck of a journey. Just got to hope I have internet where I'm going. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> and then, you know, hey, by the time you, you get back from your journey, then it be might be time for me to embark on another journey back to back to the United States. So, yeah, I mean it's unbelievable, it's, man. I can only hope that you could get stationed wherever I'm at, though. Yes, yeah, so is my um, wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, with that, Ed, do you have anything else for the audience before yeah. we close this one? Oh, Brian, we got one more episode uh, from Mr. Carnegie coming up. So, no, I'm good for this week. I think uh, excellent episode, Brian. Job well done, my friend. I I like the I like the title of that next one. Be a leader. How to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. Ooh, man. Can't <laughs> wait. With that, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Remember, there are 12 ways to winning people to your way of thinking. Find out what it takes. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>